This Rarecast is made possible by Global Genes, a leading education and advocacy organization that serves and promotes the needs of patients and families touched by rare and genetic disease. Since 2009, Global Genes has been building awareness, developing patient-focused education and advocacy tools, and funding patient care programs and critical research. To learn more, go to globalgenes.org. I'm Daniel Levine, and this is Rarecast. One of the challenges of delivering enzyme replacement and other therapies to treat rare diseases is the question of how to best deliver them. Iridel is developing therapies that can be encapsulated in a patient's red blood cells through its proprietary point-of-care device. We spoke to Luca Bonatti, CEO of Iridel, about the company's technology for encapsulating medicines in red blood cells, its pipeline of rare disease therapies, and the advantages to delivering treatments this way. Luca, thanks for joining us. My pleasure. We're going to talk about Iridel, its drug delivery technology for encapsulating therapies in patients' red blood cells, and why this can have particular benefit to patients with rare diseases. Let's start with the why. Why deliver medicines by encapsulating them in red blood cells? Yeah, so the uh, the technology we are using uh, that is coming from uh, decades of work on the red blood cells uh, by our founder, Professor Magnani, took the advantage of the feature of these cells uh, that are cells without uh, genetic material, so without a nucleoid. And uh, the second aspect those cells exert uh, is the fact that they, when they are exposed to different solutions, different hypotonic solutions, their membrane, the membrane became uh, loose uh, to allow drugs to be incorporated into the cells and then resealed. And in this way, you can use this as a vector of your therapeutics. And when the red blood cells are reinfused back into the patients, uh, you take the advantage that they reach any compartment in uh, in the body. How does encapsulating a, a therapeutic in a red blood cell affect things like its half-life and, and altered dosing regimens? Yeah, so for instance, we have many different applications. Uh, the first one for our lead product for ataxital injectasia, this neurological condition is... Uh, a prodrug of uh, known drug, steroids, uh, dexamethasone, that uh, if is uh, infused uh, directly into the bloodstream, has enough life of a few hours. The way we have used uh, the red blood cells uh, with, the, with the slow release mechanism uh, produce uh, an infusions every month uh, and a release over an entire month of the therapeutic. So prolong the half-life from a few hours to a month. And is that something you can control? Of course. Of course, you can control with the quantity uh, of the load, of the payload, 
you can control with different procedures. But that is one only applications of our technology. The second application is instead not based on a sustained release formulation. It's based for our enzyme replacement therapies for other rare disease condition on the fact that the enzyme does not require to be released from the red blood cells. So the red blood cell in this case acts as a, a shedding of the um, uh, proteins from the immune system. So they protect the exposure of these recombinant proteins from the immune response of the body. That is a significant limitations of the known therapeutics. So as you can see, there is many different ways of uh, uh, applying and using the rebel cells uh, as a mean to improve uh, half-life, but also to protect from immune system uh, different therapeutics. And also in this case of the enzymes, you have an advantage that instead of a single daily infusions, uh, you may also deliver the infusions on a monthly basis, so you prolong also the half-life. There are a number of companies seeking to encapsulate medicines in platelets or white blood cells. Is there a particular advantage to the use of red blood cells? Are there certain indications or types of therapies for which these cells would be well suited? Uh, I think uh, the, the, the capabilities of encapsulating uh, uh, drugs uh, in red blood cells uh, is much wider. Uh, we have demonstrated that we can go from a very tiny, small uh, uh, chemicals to large uh, proteins, uh, uh, RNA therapeutics, uh, as well as uh, uh, superparamagnetic nanoparticle for imaging. So the flexibility of the red blood cells uh, is enormous. And uh, on top of that, uh, the the transfusion data on erythrocytes and function of the erythrocytes and the biology beyond the erythrocytes provides substantial safety database uh, that makes these uh, cells uh, more, I believe, more flexible and suitable for uh, approaches of this kind. Eridel has platform technology for point-of-care capsulation of large and small molecule therapies. How does this work? Walk me through the process. So, the, and, and you're right, we are unique in that technology because uh, we have developed uh, a device, which is a small machine that can perform uh, fully automated the procedure of uh, uh, processing the blood of a patient. And sorry to open a small parenthesis, but when we say open, uh, process the blood of the patients. We didn't mean processing the entire blood of the patients. We're talking about a syringe of blood, so 50 milliliter of blood, a very small amount. So that is processed by the machine automatically that does all the steps that are required for um, cleaning the, the cells, opening the cells, uh, infusing the drug, uh, closing the cell, and having the final product ready to be infused back into the patients. This is done with this machine and uh, a train operator that uh, uh, is uh, operating with the machine, but the machine is fully automated and controlled by a software. And that process requires a couple of hours from the time you take the syringe of blood from the patient to the time the patients can go home 
with the with the with the drug inserted into the small sample of erythrocytes. And can this technology be used with any existing therapy, or do they? require therapies to be specially formulated for the process? Um, so the, if your question is related to the payload, we can, we can add any kind of payload. But clearly, what is the applications of our technologies is where there is an unmet medical need. So is this a medical need, for instance, in case of ataxia, the fact that the oral medications available cannot be used in these patient populations because of the side effects and you need to create a formulations that makes the drug um, uh, available to the patients in a form that is not creating substantial side effects of chronic use. That is where our applications is for. For enzyme replacement therapies, as I said, the, the enzyme available now as therapeutics uh, have enormous limitations and cannot be used in the majority of the patients. So with our um, sharing procedure with the red blood cells, uh, we will make uh, enzyme therapeutics uh, uh, available to a broader set of rare disease patients suffering from phenylketonuria, refractory gout, and these kind of diseases. And, and who performs the encapsulation? Is this something done by people who are specially trained is a is a doctor or a nurse or a pharmacist likely to do this yeah the company has a very very strict rules uh, and qa and qc procedure uh so what we do when uh, currently we are not commercializing any of our product we have conducted up to a phase three development in uh, in this rare condition uh, so what we do, we install the machine with our personnel and we train the nurse uh, that are handling the blood. The nurse, once is qualified and trained, uh, can perform the procedure and, inf- and take the blood, process with the machine and infuse the blood into the patients. Uh, and only trained personnel are allowed to use the machine. But as I said, this is a f- almost fully automated machine, so the level of training is is fairly limited. And uh, but anyhow, the qualification is a mandatory for for using the machine. As you've mentioned, your lead experimental therapy is a treatment for ataxia telangiectasia. For listeners not familiar with AT, what is it? Yeah. So. Uh, unfortunately, it's a devastating disease. It's a genetic disease uh, and affects uh, children in the early years. Um, children manifest uh, a form of ataxia, so they have problems with their coordinations and movements, primarily. And uh, that that uh, problems develop uh, at, up to a point where most of them in the second decade of life became uh, wheelchair bound and uh, and they had start having uh, speech problems uh, communications problem coordinations problem and their quality of life is uh, of course as you can imagine dramatically affected and uh, unfortunately again uh, in the third decade of life uh, 
most of them uh, die for the, for the disease and further complication. So currently, there is no treatment for those patients. We are the only company that has been able to move into a phase three trial with uh, a potential therapeutics. And uh, our phase three trial showed that there is a significant benefit uh, to those patients suffering from the disease. And so the commitment the company has uh, is to now negotiate and discuss with the regulatory agencies for uh, taking this product to the market. What is your lead experimental therapy, Eridex, and, and how does it work? Yeah, so um, the, the, the starting point uh, for steroids in this uh, disease and the benefits seen with steroids in this disease was a serendipitous finding. Based from that uh, early discovery, as happened many times in medicine, there has been a great deal of effort by uh, different investigators to try to use steroids in these patient populations. But as I said, this is a very fragile population uh, of patients uh, suffering from uh, uh, several immunocompromised conditions. And therefore, the usage of steroids causes significant side effects and problems. So what Eridex is able, and as demonstrated in the phase three trial, has been able to show that those limitations of the oral steroids are overcome by the delivery system, that we can provide a reasonably safe uh, chronic therapy to these patients, and more importantly, that uh, we have shown uh, that there is a benefit that delays the progression of the disease uh, in, in the patients. And what's known about the safety of the therapy? Yeah, so we have, uh, we have treated uh, uh, 175 patients in the phase three trial. The phase three was designed placebo-controlled 12 months uh, trial with an extension in an open-label phase, uh, and we have patients now on drug for more than two and a half years. So the patient's uh, uh, safety profile as compared to the placebo is excellent. So we didn't have the unbalance on the, on the safety signal, and particularly with focusing on the typical steroid side effects, uh, these were not... Uh, uh, of any concern uh, by the safety monitoring board uh, that reviewed uh, the entire data set. And what's the approval path forward? Does this get treated as a, a conventional drug? Is it treated as a drug-device combination? Very good question. So this is going to be a drug-device combination. And actually, the FDA in reviewing uh, the um, request for designations, define this as a, exactly as a combination product. But uh, ultimately, since it's the drug providing the benefit, they um, appointed the CEDAR, so the drug uh, divisions of the FDA, as the lead department for, for the review of the dossier. But everything is under the IND, therefore, but all the uh, biologic aspect of our product, which are the red blood cells, as well as the medical device part of the, <clears throat> of the product, are included into the IND, but 
they are taken care by a, a combination of different expertise and divisions at the FDA. You're also looking at Aridex and other indications, including uh, for Duchenne muscular dystrophy. Is there an expectation that you'll look at it for broader potential uses beyond those you're already pursuing? Yeah, so the the suggestion we had by talking to experts in different different fields was, uh, for instance, from the Duchenne point of view, uh, uh, where there is uh, an established usage of uh, steroids, that uh, if we can come up with the with the uh, set of data that shows the long term uh, safety. Uh, and clean safety profile of uh, of an administrations uh, with uh, with Aridex, uh, it would be very interesting uh, to look at the opportunity also in Duchenne muscular dystrophy, and this could be an area where we are going to invest, uh, as well as uh, as suggested by KOLs. Now that we have data in one form of ataxia, having uh, those different ataxias uh, some similarity in the symptoms. Uh, it would make sense probably for us to explore for the interest of patients suffering from other form of ataxia, the benefit of aridates also in, uh, in those other form of ataxia. So this will be the area of focus once we have uh, better clarify the regulatory pathway and the commercialization of our lead indication. You also talked earlier about pursuing enzyme replacement therapies for such conditions as PKU. What's the advantage to this delivery method for existing enzyme replacement therapies? Yeah, so for instance, if you take PKU, uh, products that are or currently on the market like uh, Palinsic, uh, this is a, an enzyme that is injected directly. It, it's a recombinant enzyme from bacteria that is injected directly into patients. There is a black box warning because uh, there is a significant risk of anaphylactic shocks. And uh, you have to titrate the product, uh, and in some cases up to six months to reach the treatment, uh, uh, effective treatment. And uh, you have a significant amount of antibodies generated uh, that limit the benefit of the therapy. So that is... Uh, a significant impediment uh, of usage of Palinsic, uh, that by the way is also also not prescripted for pediatric populations, which is the with the populations with the highest med medical need, because is where the uh, neurological impairments start to kick in when 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 the patient becomes adolescent. So there is a huge med medical need. So our idea is that can we use an enzyme like Palinsic, but deliver in a way that we can overcome the immune response of the organism. And the idea is to have the enzyme into the red blood cells and deliver not to be released from the red blood cells because it's the substrate of the enzyme that uh, is passing the membrane of the red blood cells reach the enzyme and is cleaved. And in another disease, different from PKU, we have already proven in humans that that concept works. So the idea is to deliver the enzyme through the red blood cells and becomes the new way of administering 
enzyme replacement therapies to overcome the immune risk uh, for the patients. If I'm not mistaken, palanzeek is a pegylated molecule. Does pegylation yes. affect your ability to do this or no? We we won't those? use. No, we won't use the pegylation because there is no need to pegylate the enzyme if the enzyme is protected by the rebel cells. Plus, as you probably know, pegylation itself is causing immune response. So while pegylation is made to protect the enzyme from the immune response, pegylation itself generates anti-peg antibodies, and that's another problem. You're not using the, the, the marketed version of Palanzeek, but you're developing your own. Is that correct? Yes, yes, yes. I suspect you face an additional challenge getting adoption of these therapies because it involves some education of providers. Is the expectation this will be sold to centers of excellence or centers that specialize in treating certain conditions? Yeah, so that's that's is going to be mostly our our plan. So for entry, uh, for access the market, so we are going to target uh, infusion centers uh, through center of excellence, uh, pediatric hospital in in the U.S. Um, and and that will be uh, with with an interesting, for instance, for our ataxia program interesting synergy there because uh, as i mentioned the attacks of patients are immunocompromised and they go monthly to infusion center to receive immunoglobulin infusions and therefore will be very synergistic to go to the same infusion centers and receive uh, also the aridex therapy uh, once a month when you've had discussions with potential customers what's been the response to the the technology? Well, I think, uh, of course, it's, uh, it's something that uh, people need to understand uh, and need to be acquainted with. Uh, it's, of course, different than uh, giving a pen to someone and say you inject every day in your, uh, in your leg or whatever. So there, there is some, some training, some learning uh, uh, that needs to be made. But uh, what is... Uh, what is the beauty, I believe, of this technology is the fact that uh, um, it's a kind of personalized medicine because you take your own blood. Uh, the second thing is that it provides a lot of flexibility because of the small machine that can be installed. And maybe one can think even in the future, if that technology becomes more widely used also for other applications, that uh, one can think also a different different distribution of the of the procedure and the machine uh, and maybe in the in, in not distant future even a home base a kind of procedure where the nurse is reaching home and providing you the medication um, so that that is where we need to we need to work on of course uh, but uh, the experience we had so far in this large phase three trial that uh, i like to remind was uh, um, performed uh, in uh, countries uh, in Europe, uh, in the US, uh, but also Asia and uh, Australia. Uh, so it has been exposed to different culture, different uh, procedure in the hospital. We had uh, 
a very efficient implementation of the procedure because it's a very simple one. And that, I think, speaks in favor of, uh, yes, it's more complicated than others, but on, at the end, uh, the, the real world experience has already very, very encouraging. Luca Bonatti, CEO of Eridel. Luca, thanks so much for your time today. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thanks for listening. For more information about rare disease and to connect to the rare disease community, go to globalgenes.org. To keep up on the latest news and trends affecting the rare disease community, be sure to visit raredaily.org. You can subscribe to the Rarecast RSS feed through raredaily.org or through SoundCloud, iTunes, Stitcher, or your preferred podcast manager. The Rarecast is produced for Global Genes by the Levine Media Group. You can also find our podcast, The Bio Report, on these popular podcast sites. Our theme music is composed by Jonah Levine and performed by the Jonah Levine Collective. We'd love to hear from you. Drop us a note at danny at levinemediagroup.com.